0: Catholic Nerds Podcast, your Tolkien source for quality Catholic nerdery. This is Scott.
1: And Colby.
2: And Eric. And we have a special guest today. Uh, we have Bill Donahue. He's the senior lecturer and content specialist at the Theology of the Body Institute, a co author of the program Rise 30 Day Challenge for Men. Uh, he's an educator at Homeschool Connections, and most importantly, he's a proud husband and father of four. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for being on the show with us. Thank you, lads. It's great to be with you.
3: I am a I am a um, fellow Catholic nerd, so, so I feel like I've found my people.
1: I think today you have probably got the most formal introduction. I think out of any of our guests, so <laughs> yeah. probably yeah. Ooh, Usually, it's, my, well, it's I should have tripped over a tie.
3: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: nice. Yeah, I had to put on a nice shirt. I think this is a shirt I wear every time we do these, honestly. I wash it, (laughs) but yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sure you do. (laughs) So anyway, we have Bill on today because I found out a couple months ago uh, when he was on Matt Fraz's podcast um, that he is a big Lord of the Rings and Tolkien nerd, so of course we had to have him on. And I also found in pitching Bill for the show, I also found out that Colby has a connection with Bill.
1: Sure. So we met. Uh, the joke before we started recording was it's been a decade. Actually, has been a decade, pretty close to that. <laughs> 12,
3: uh, Twelve years. Twelve years.
1: I stopped counting. <laughs> yeah. You should. What's it? Path twenty-five. Everything just number right. Um,
3: <laughs> oh brother!
1: <laughs> <laughs> but started a journey like probably a number of our listeners visiting the Theology Body Institute. And the very first course that I ever registered for was TOB1, the Head and Heart Immersion. Uh, originally signed up. Christopher West, again, was faculty for quite some time. And then we received a letter in the mail stating that a new instructor had been selected, and his name was Bill Donahue. So had no idea what to expect. Uh, it showed up with an open heart and an open mind, sat in the front row, and we ended up having, uh, I believe, you know, some good connections. Because also I think I got your jokes, whereas a lot of other people probably took a second to catch on. So. <laughs> so.
3: I remember that, and I thank you. I thank you heartily, Colby. <laughs> yes, that was a fun week. That was um, that was the summer. It started on Father's Day of 2010, I believe, because Father Martin Connor, who's a good friend, he's a Legionnaire priest. He was my first chaplain, and we were kind of nerding out that it was Father's Day, and both of us fathers, you know, starting this new course uh, with Christopher taking a sabbatical and yeah, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Good. Um, so fast forward to probably the story that Eric is mentioning. So you did an interview recently mm-hmm. with Matt Frad on his show and you'd mentioned that's right. There's the my book. mug to prove it. Nice. <laughs> nice. Was <laughs> that your conversation for being on the show? On yes.
2: That's <laughs> all he, it's all he gave me. A
1: mug. Uh, Great. <laughs> hey man, I
2: would, I would love wow. to have that mug. So <laughs> <laughs> it's <a> good. mug. <laughs>
1: Uh, but you had mentioned that Dr. Peter Crafe was uh, a beyond phenomenal ping-pong player whenever we interacted with yeah. him. Um, and I think I commented saying that, well, I'll attest everything Bill said is true. Uh, it's uncanny and completely out of left field that he was really so good. Uh, and you mentioned some other Young yeah. Bucks playing, and it was myself and now Father Cashin uh, also played with That's me. That's right. So, yeah. And That's then right. out of the dozens of games that were played, you were the only person to beat him that entire week at least once. So. <laughs> uh kudos least even all these years later so
2: Not too bad you don't have a trophy for that too
3: <laughs> i know i really should have i should have made my own out of
1: tinfoil or something glitter i just made it we will i will testify as a witness that it is true so thanks <laughs> thanks colby <laughs> finally finally vindicated <laughs> no it is good to see you um, again i know we've met all these years ago and, and i know you are for tolkien because you shared it even all that time back then uh, I'll tell Eric. I don't remember yeah. all the jokes, but he cracked several token and Lewis jokes throughout the week. So oh, nice. So he's probably so more we're, than prepared for our conversation today. Yeah. So we're hoping for some today. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: So yeah. Oh, why yeah. don't we? Why don't oh, we get yeah. into it then? So oh, where to start? I mean,
1: I will catch yeah, the right. okay, Bill. So probably some background about our show. So uh, Scott, yes. Eric, Cody, the others. I mean, I am a nerd because I'm part of the group, but the tradition is I typically don't watch the shows or things that we talk about until after we talk about it. So we're talking about tolkien i mean obviously already seen the lord of the rings and the hobbit etc but uh the most recent show the ring of power which probably we'll talk about i haven't watched yet so have no fear about spoilers okay. just let it happen and then I'm just, I'm <laughs> oh, oh we will and
2: i think you're better for it
1: honestly <laughs>
2: Yes, yes <laughs> personally okay. and, and in my will. personal opinion blow. anyway uh but yeah like um so we we've already had an episode on rings of power so uh, for anybody who wants to hear our opinions of course Um, you can go listen to that, that episode. Um, so, but we definitely want to hear what Bill has to say about the show. I mean, what did, what did you think about it? You know, from whatever perspective you want and from a theology of the body perspective from just the cinematic perspective, What what's your overall like thoughts about the show?
3: Yeah. Let me, let me just set, set the tone first to tell you how deeply Tolkien's been in my bones for, for years. I was probably, um, 14, 15, when I first discovered Lord of the Rings back in the early 80s. So he snuck into my soul way back then. So I've been I've been sauntering through Middle Earth for many decades. Uh, and I'm constantly rereading it. In fact, I'm, I am I have my, this is also show you how nerdy I am. I have my leather-bound edition of Lord of the Rings that I had a, an Italian uh, antique bookbinder make for me. Wow. Um, don't get that jealous. Don't get jealous. It's right, too late. It's, right. it's an absolute <laughs> work of art. So wow. I'm, I'm half You can see I'm halfway through again. I've been reading Lord of the Rings pretty much my whole life. Nice. Um, const- constantly, I teach a homeschool connections course for boys on living the virtues in Lord of the Rings. Nice. I'm building a new course on Tolkien and CS Lewis for the theology of the body Institute. That's launching next November 5th. So I'm nice. like, Oh, <laughs> when I see the trailer and hear the buzz that, uh, that Amazon's going to do rings of power, you know, obviously it's like, ding, ding, ding. Ooh, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I was gobsmacked by the first image, which was, uh, I think it would have been Galadriel's brother cresting the hill. And you see the light of the two trees of Valinor. Mm -hmm. That was like the first frame they released about rings of power. And it was gorgeous, visually stunning. Um, you know, and anything that goes back to Tolkien's—that uh, would be, of course. Here's my other book, the *Silmarillion*. Anything that goes back to the creation story and the beginning, like you know, first Age references, I think is awesome because that's where Tolkien really lets his Catholic vision shine yes. with the Valar and those angelic beings in the beginning and the creation of the world and music. Mm. So uh, I was, my expectations were, you know, I had to check myself. Like, <laughs> okay, this could be. This could be really good. <laughs> okay, so, um, my thoughts: visually stunning. I think visually stunning. The sets were gorgeous. The uh, you know tons of CGI, but beautifully mm-hmm. done. Uh, the score really good. I mean, Howard Shore actually chimed in and did. Uh, I think he did the main theme. Howard Shore being the one who did the music for Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. which I'm always listening to on repeat. It's just beautiful. Uh, so then it stepped into the characters and i i I was enjoying it you know i was enjoying gladriel um she seems a little edgy a little cranky (laughs) her character um Mm. i didn't i didn't see that coming but uh i i did enjoy it i thought it 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 was a little the the plots as they unraveled were a little simplistic or a little you kind of saw what was coming way ahead of time but I liked the way they played with what they could. You know, they, they didn't have the rights to everything. They had some second age appendices materials to play with. And I thought they did well. It, my main thing is it was great to be back in Middle Earth. You know what I mean? Like, it was it was great to be back in Tolkien's world. And I didn't expect that they were going to do it perfectly. I, I get that. So I, I did enjoy it overall. I didn't agree with some of the the stories, the offs of Tolkien's mythology, such as the Origin of Mithril and that whole backstory, that was mm-hmm. odd and not Tolkien at all. <laughs> but overall, like, hey, that was cool. And, you know, there was a couple of shout outs to the Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson trilogy, too, which were neat. So um, I'm kind of in the middle with it. Like, you know, I, second season comes out, I, I'll watch it again. You know, I saw a lot of people reacting online, mm. you know, even yeah. before it came out. And I just kind of felt like, all right, simmer down, everybody. Simmer down, it's Okay. You know, don't have an ulcer over this. It's just there.
2: Again, it was nice to be back in Middle Earth. So, Okay, cool. I'll put a pin in it now. I'll stop yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to ease myself off of it, too, because I, <laughs> I could go on for hours. Because I came off really in the negative of it. I just feel like it deserved. Yeah. I, again, I'm torn well, from this. It deserved yeah. a lot better. And mm-hmm. I just don't think mm-hmm. Amazon had the maturity or or the showrunner specifically yeah. patrick mckay and uh jd Payne. i don't think yeah. they had the maturity they were way too young as uh producers and writers mm-hmm. relatively unknown and i think they put too much modern politics or too much modern like thoughts and ideas and stuff into it and it yes. just to me it just kind of ruined it uh, especially all the, the additions <laughs> like the mithril story and, and all that stuff but yeah um, yeah, I agree just, with you. I agree yeah. with you, Eric. I just didn't let myself go down that sad rabbit
3: <laughs> hole. I I I, yeah. I, I saw everything <laughs> you're saying. I was like, mm-hmm, yep, 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 yep. But this is one of the reasons I don't really follow sports teams very much because they're bound to disappoint. It's like right, good, good point.
2: That's that's a really <laughs> good analogy. I yeah.
3: I agree. If I if I dwell in that world of like, you know, this could have been, you know, if they only talked to such and such Tolkien scholar or got them right. as consultants. Oh man, it could have. You know, absolutely, and maybe they'll learn. I don't know. Maybe they'll yeah. learn from it if they keep moving forward. Yeah, from but, the, I, don't, I don't
2: know. From the stories I've <laughs> heard through various um, videos and things I've watched on YouTube and whatnot, there's rumors going around that season two is going to like completely reboot everything. Like season oh, wow. one almost didn't exist. Or and there's the showrunners again were saying that season two is going to be way more focused on the actual lore instead of making up stuff and. So they, mm. hopefully they've learned from that and they 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 take that yeah. into it because they have five seasons of this to to go through. Um, <laughs> well, wow! So which wow. is gonna yeah it's gonna take us to like twenty thirty to get through them all if they uh. even <laughs> if they garner enough right, well, you know momentum for them. yeah but you know we're gonna have to start the fifty four day
1: novena boys right. <laughs> start a little bit a good yeah. There's like yeah. maybe two questions of critique to kind of maybe think about in frame of reference because. Even though Peter Jackson did a fantastic job, The Hobbit was a fantastic series in terms of movies. There have been levels of expectation and disappointment throughout the entire kind of storyline in terms of cinematic standpoint. Mm. So trying to approach it in the same method of like, I'm not gonna apply my framework of what the book is onto the movie because mm. they're not gonna do it right. Because right? again, who is their talk their audience? Is it us as actual Tolkien fans trying to find a, a cinematic right. representation of the book? Or are they trying to appeal to the wider audience to recapture some of that, what is it, $30, $60 million per episode cost <laughs> you right. know, to get off the screen to make sure that people are, yeah. are and, giving them the return? And I would argue that
2: by trying to go for a wider audience like they did and trying to get a lot of the mystery of it so you know, casual people who don't know the story and people who do know the story could kind of get into it and wonder about the mysteries and stuff, I think that was their downfall because... Yep. Mm. I believe if they would have made it for the fans, like like a true adaptation, like as best they could, it would have drawn in way more people, honestly. Because I think yeah. the, the fan base for Lord of the Rings is way bigger than a general audience, honestly. Oh, oh yeah. So it I mean, was That's what the, that's what the Peter the Jackson millennium. film said. So.
3: Yeah. I mean, Tolkien's works, there was a number of polls. It was around the uh, year 2000, I think. Book of the Century, numerous times. Book of the Millennium. I mean, hands down from all a whole girth of readers from all over. So, yeah, you know, when when Tolkien's works debuted in the early 50s, nobody had a clue this thing was coming and they didn't need any prep. It just dazzled them. Uh, C.S. Lewis talked about it being sort of like this lightning bolt out of the blue. And wow. So, yeah, it's just funny when you have a book that it's already there. You don't have to create something new. Be faithful to it. And let it speak you know let the line out of its cage and it's going to do its work so yeah yeah that's that's that kind of humility though that we need which could sometimes be lacking right
1: right just be faithful to it and this so maybe anyway, to as to why the book is still there and available is because the nature of virality in <laughs> marketing right so it's all about total adjustable market and how do you get people's attention etc but Nobody in their time knows or thinks that it's something is going to be big. It just happens later, right? So, just like you said, mm-hmm. there were probably predictions as to this will be important, but there's no way they could have predicted mm-hmm. the scale of attention stuff that it has today. And so, for mm-hmm. others, I guess to try to capitalize on that or try to take advantage of it, it makes sense because they're trying to. But mm-hmm. then, the defensible space is the book is still there, right? So, people that do want to learn or do want to actually see what the story is, they can very easily pick up a copy of it and go actually see from the source itself
3: you know it's funny uh if i could throw in some thoughts on tolkien's perspective on all this um he probably would just be completely and thoroughly disgusted in all honesty (laughs) he literally and you probably have discussed this in your past episodes but he literally didn't didn't want a cinematic presentation at all he he just didn't want it to be that way he wanted it to live in the heart and in the imagination and uh he was a bit of a luddite right you probably know this like he wouldn't go into a pub where there was a radio playing He was like, this is for human interaction and conversation. You know, when he, somebody asked him once to record, they had a tape recorder, you know, it was new. Remember the old tape recorders with the play and record button, you had to jam down, jam down to record. Mm -hmm. And they asked him to to record some selections from the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. And he, he prayed the, our father in Welsh over the tape recorder. Yeah. And then he hit record. It was just like, he he didn't like Saruman and his machinations, you know, he didn't like (laughs) stuff like that. So so this idea of this giant multi-million dollar thing, is just like, curl up by the fire and read my book, please. I want you to get lost in a great story and have a bit of scotch while you do it, you know?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: That's the way it was supposed to be received. But anyway, I do love the movies too, whatever. Yeah.
1: What I you're think- saying is if they serve scotch in the theaters, it might be a little bit better.
3: <laughs> you know, some theaters, and I've, yeah. I've found yeah. them. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> We're blessed with many of those in Louisiana. Cool.
2: Nice, yeah. I'm in Michigan, oh, so it, it snowed today. By the way, in Michigan, so. Uh,
3: oh, condolences. Yeah. It, it begins <laughs> the white exactly. the white witch. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: white witch has returned. Here it goes. <laughs> yeah, always jump for Christmas. Yep, <laughs> that's right. All right, so let's move on to just like your thoughts on, especially as as someone who works at the Theology of the Body Institute. What are, what are some like mm-hmm. really awesome theology of the body like connections? Tolkien. I mean, I mean, theology of the body wasn't it wasn't written by the time Tolkien passed away, of course, or or was writing the books. Um, Pope John Paul came way after him, or John Paul II. So, it, mm-hmm. is, is there is there still any any gold to mine from that perspective oh, yeah. in Tolkien's work?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, how long do we have for this podcast, uh, Eric? <laughs> as long as you have. <laughs> yeah, make a sandwich. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Here we go. Um,
3: gosh, there, there's so many things that I feel are, uh, you know, well, theology of the body, of course, is the phrase of JP2 for this anthropology of what it means to be human. And underneath that is like, what, what is theology of the body? But sacramentality of reality. That as a Catholic, we see, you know, Wood, fire, water, oil, bread, wine, we see the thing and then we see like what God does with it. And it's downright magical, like the way he can transform and make all creation a viaduct or a channel through which he comes to us. That's what Tolkien does in his world. He creates this world and he said it himself. He says, you know, my my stories are really my fascination with the real world. Like Middle Earth is my delight in creation itself. He said that so he sees and he always saw that creation was a a wonderful book and so when you read tolkien he slows you down he gets you to relish every leaf and tree and river he gives like five names to every one of those things (laughs) he he just he is not in a rush but he delights in reality and i feel like that's one of the greatest contributions of tolkien his delight in reality, and then later in his writing, the sacramentality of reality. He creates a beautiful world. He he syncs up with Catholic theology in this idea of a good beginning, right? A world made in music by Iluvatar. Iluvatar in, in the Silmarillion is the All-Father, right? The father of all who sings like through his angels, the or he sings the world into existence. So positive, beautiful, harmonic. That's Genesis 1 and 2, that's what John Paul II starts talking about in Theology of the Body, is, you know, behold, it is very good. That's what Tolkien does. John Paul II talks about a fall from that grace and original innocence. He talks about what he calls historical man, this battlefield of the heart between love and lust. That's what Tolkien writes about in The Silmarillion. He talks about Melkor bringing dissonance and discord and grasping at Iluvatar's power and bringing corruption into the world. And then there's the third piece of John Paul's theology of the body is the eschatological man, the glorified humanity that's coming for all of us. That's what Tolkien talks about. And we get glimmers of that actually in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf and Galadriel and Elrond uh, and Frodo set sail for the blessed realm. They go to Valinor, they go to this undying land. So Tolkien's Catholicism is just like dripping through. His sacramentality and vision is dripping through all of the, all the writings and it's flowing from his Catholic faith. You, I'm sure you all have heard this quote, but in a, in a letter to a priest friend, he said, I didn't intend it, but looking back, my work is a profoundly Catholic and religious work. Yeah. Unconsciously profoundly Catholic. Yeah. Unconsciously. Right.
0: Unconsciously in the revision.
3: Yeah. So he, it's like, uh, wow. You know, and I love the fact that he didn't intend it, that it just kind of it permeated him and therefore permeated the work that he made, you know, as he says, like we create in the way in which we were created as God makes us. So we make our own myths and art and poetry. So, uh, yeah, that's why I keep, I just keep, <laughs> I, I wonder if John Paul II ever read Tolkien. That would if I could find out, you know, I, that would be really cool because <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like as a, as a poet and a writer himself, JP II would have just loved it.
0: I imagine him on one of his hikes, you know, with his pipe, right. Yeah. Well, knowing, <laughs> right. knowing
2: JP two, he'd be uh, he'd be reading The Lord of the Rings while someone was reading him The Hobbit, so he could take in both <laughs> at the same time. So. Right, and also writing his name in Elvish. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Doing all those, all the things. I have a, a great photograph of JP two. It's actually right here in my office. I can't take of it off the wall, but it's huge. It's an image of him walking in front JP two walking in front of the Italian Alps. So he's got his cane. And his robes, and it's a gorgeous, huge mountain behind him. And I always joke like that's the more like he's he's on the way to Mordor. You know, he's on the the journey. It's Gandalf. You know, he's he's our Gandalf.
1: he's doing the pilgrimage there, Frodo and Sam
3: That's right, exactly
0: same thing. Or, or yeah, or when he said mass in Poland, you know, before the solidarity movement kicked off, you know, it's like oh man, yeah, it's like Gandalf, I mean, whether a theoden or just a ray of light. Mm-hmm. That's right.
3: Yeah, I I mean, I I see it all the time when I'm reading it. There's moments where I put the Lord of the Rings down for a moment, and I enter into uh, prayer, like literally. (laughs) I know a, um, this is a fun fact, I know a a cloistered Carmelite nun, Sister Magdalena. She got permission from her mother superior to read the Lord of the Rings as spiritual reading in the Carmel. Nice. (laughs) She's She's about half an hour, 40 minutes away from here. She's in the Carmel. (laughs) <laughs> she's reading the Lord <laughs> of the Rings in chapel before the blessed sacrament. I mean, if that's not nerdy Catholic nerds, what yeah. is
2: right? Know. Like that's just awesome. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, I, um...
2: I had this conversation with my men's group the other day. We were talking about spiritual reading and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. does it count? Cause, um, I have a really long commute. I have like an hour drive every morning to work. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I find myself constantly bringing up, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, The Silmarillion uh, on Audible, and every time, yeah. just the Silmarillion specifically. When I'm going through, um, what is it, the Ain Ainorlo? Ainulindale, yeah, the I Lindale. Lindale. Thank you, thank you. I could never pronounce that. Yeah, uh, going <laughs> through the Ainulindale. Yeah, just the the creation story there. I just, I just, I tear up every time I listen to it because I'm like, I, I see the connections. I see. I, I see this creation and in, in the parallels in, in Genesis and it's it's beautiful.
3: Yeah, it it's, is. You know what's beautiful too, Eric, about, about that is how high and heraldic the language is in that creation story. It's biblical. Yeah. It's, it's almost beyond, it's like so incredibly written and this might be a little off here, but as he moves, because Tolkien was a linguist, right? He's a philologist, a lover of languages. You read that and then he goes all the way down to the Hobbits, you know, and you, sound, you it sounds like you're in a little pub in London somewhere. You know, the way they talk to each other. It's like this, <laughs> this cockney accent. But then as you move through Middle Earth and you bump into other characters like the High Elves, you know, the Noldor, and they have this a whole different way of speaking. And those are some of my favorite moments as I'm going through it. And it never gets old. I never get tired of it, is encountering these different peoples from this creation story with the Ainur to, you know, Samwise Gamgee and you know fighting Ted Sandyman like just the the back and forth between these two and it's all in the world it's all in this world and it's just that's another quality that's very T.O.B. there's a hierarchy there's this very high distant world that Samwise Gamgee is always attracted to right I want to see the elves Mr. Frodo but we can also connect to the gardener and the miller you know and the Sackville Bagginses who are just like the the lousy neighbors who always want to get your stuff. Hey, he's got all this stuff from the world in the in his world. And that's why it just feels homey and like I can go here and play here and and pray here.
0: It's amazing. That sacramental reality that Tolkien creates yeah. both in the book and for I think the readers, like in the book. You know the elves kind of see both the visible reality and the invisible reality simultaneously all the time. You you have, like you said, Sam always wanting. You know, did he just see the elves out his the corner of his eye? Yeah. I was reading. I just actually put this book together, uh, "Pray the Rosary" with Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. You know, just the revelations on her mystery for the mysteries of rosary. Mm. She she would say that like heaven Mm. was always like. Just to the left of her vision, or oftentimes she'd catch herself, and heaven wow. and just just at, beyond her vision. For me, like when I read that, it confirmed something in me that you know sometimes I just kind of catch a glimpse of you know the light hits <laughs> hits a certain way. I'm like, was that middle mm-hmm. earth? You know, <laughs> <laughs> really, that is so taken my understanding of of heaven, you know that far wow. green country, right? The veil yes, of the world yes. pulls away. So yeah, I just if you want to riff off that,
3: I certainly do with permission. Oh man, you just you took me a bunch of places there, uh, Scott. There's a there's actually a line in um, C.S. Lewis's Ransom trilogy where uh, the character Ransom, if you know it, the character Ransom, by the way, is a philologist. Yeah, he's based on Tolkien. He was inspired by his friend Tolkien. But there's a moment where Ransom encounters the Eldila which are his version of the Ainur, the angels. And it's like, he thinks he sees them just as you're saying, Scott, out of the corner of his eye. And you can't, you can't always pick it up. You're like, Whoa, there's a shimmer of light. or like sun starts on a stream and you're like, Hey, you know, or you feel a presence. That's, that's as a, I've been like
0: reading out of the silent planet on that hill. Or yeah. Okay, gotcha.
3: Yeah. And it is the first book out of the silent planet where he first encounters the Eldala which are essentially angels of different ranks. And then, um, yeah and then in Perelandra, the second book there's a deeper encounter right. uh, with the oyarsa oh it's just incredible and then that hideous <laughs> strength is the end where the cosmic battle happens
0: the fisher king at the
3: oh my gosh the arthurian game. legends come in yeah. i don't know how these guys did it like it's insane it's insane both being like oxford dons and so involved in lecturing they could just kick this out tolkien had four kids it's like dude did you sleep how did you do this <laughs> but uh
1: Hold on, I'll cut Who's you a, off. You can ask Scott that might, question because he's the same boat as you. Scott, <laughs> plus four kids,
3: several degrees, <laughs> oh man,
1: multiple professions going on. Oh. The same. Yeah, yeah, been.
2: yeah. Scott, hey. I don't know how you have time how to do anything at all how, during the how day. Did you write a book,
3: yeah, seriously. It's
2: several books.
3: Things just just a lot of Red Bull,
2: <laughs> a lot of Red Bull, man.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Red Bull <laughs> in your coffee. That that angle, of the, or that like that glimmer of uh, ooh, it was that, you know. As I've been rereading Lord of the Rings over the years. You know, and I loving the Silmarillion to your point, Eric, like that whole creation story, I've been very sensitive to in the Lord of the Rings, when there's a trickle of water or a breeze Mm. that is never accidental, right? It's always particular and intentional. Mm. I understand what Tolkien's doing now. Like that's the glimpse of the transcendent. Like there's moments when Frodo and Sam are in Mordor and they're just literally about to die. And suddenly Sam or Frodo hears a trickle of water. That's Ulmo, that's the Valar Ulmo, oh, who is in oh. charge of the waters of Middle-earth. When when suddenly at the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, there's a sea breeze and a change, and Mary senses there's a difference in the air. That's Manwe, he's the Valar of the airs. So oh, you get cool. this like, oh. holy, you're like, holy crap, the whole heavenly realm is here, they're here. We can't what see am- them, we haven't named them explicitly, but the they're here. It's also a
0: great a cloud of witnesses.
3: Yes, exactly, it's the Hebrews, right, the cloud of witnesses. That that the Valar are present, just as the angels are present in our lives, in the real world, um, to assist. And not not to force or coerce, but to just like, it's to pull it back into the veil, to your point, Scott. The veil pulls back a little bit, there's a little shine like, ooh, wow, you're here. Okay, let's go. And Theoden, you know, snaps into action, blasts the horn, and the game is on, you know. It's really cool to catch those little (laughs) moments. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Have you put that together? Um, have you written all that down? Because that's that's a beautiful insight.
3: Not yet, but uh, trademark hashtag copyright. You can't have it, Scott. <laughs> I will be writing it down. <laughs> when I write, I'm doing a course. I'm building out a new course for the you know CS Lewis and Tolkien for next November. So I'm going to be weaving that in. Nice, awesome. but no. Oh, I just thought of I'm one, just actually.
2: kidding. Mostly kidding. Um, yeah, give me another the, one ahead, The the uh, the statue that Sam and Frodo. Happen upon the crown oh, of flowers, uh, Yavana.
0: Yes, yeah, Yavana. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, because nice. I, I think Yavanna, is, I, he, I'm
2: gonna have to like now. I'm gonna have to start, start it gonna... again, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking for that now. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> so I put together a book, kind of goes through all the Yavana parts of it. But, uh, oh, this wow! One, uh, Lord of the Rings and the Eucharist. Oh um, my gosh! Yeah. So you know, because we have Tolkien admitting to. In his letters, the, the Limbus being the Eucharist. And you right. can and using good Eucharistic typology, you can trace that back because the Limbus is wrapped in the leaves, or originally wrapped in the leaves of Telperion, And you start getting that Yavana mm-hmm. collection, but that the recipe for Limbus was first given by Yavana to the Eldar during their exodus, right? Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just like the manna. And then it traces back to on uh, the two trees, the two trees of Valinor, whether you say Valinor's Eden or Halar, you know, the, with the two trees. Mm-hmm. And then what's so cool is that you can trace from that the genealogy of the trees or the ge- genealogy of Numenor, you know, down to mm-hmm. heir, Jesus, son of David. But then yep. is- Isildur, I love him as a Davidic figure. Because he, mm-hmm. know, he plays a giant Sauron, mm. he then has this tragic flaw. Like instead of the Bathsheba issue, yeah. he keeps the mm. ring, and yep. you know, so that that gives you a great perspective on the ring as sin, but it also breaks apart his kingdom in his latter generations. So instead yeah. of Arnor and Gondor, you know, you have the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel. So I, I see, That's I just right, the biblical history that crept in it's amazing yeah
3: this is the Catholic nerds podcast yes <laughs> <laughs> just loving it Don't and you? then you, you add to uh to that and you probably know that you know if you have your um I think it's the New Jerusalem Bible that Tolkien himself right. was one of the uh translators of of the Bible so this you know Tolkien knew scripture yes. so well from the original languages yeah again like your brain explodes you
1: enter this is one man it's just insane. Mm-hmm.
0: Everywhere you look. I'm going to have
3: to pick up your book.
0: Oh, yeah. I'll see. Yeah, you. yeah.
1: yeah. I bet I fell short because he actually gave awesome. me a promo code to give to you prior to the show, and I forgot to do that. So I'm going to email oh. that to you. We have to hang up.
0: <laughs> uh,
3: speaking of tragic flaws, Colby. I don't know, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know Kevin O'Brien, who uh, plays Tolkien on EWTN? Yeah. He did a few shows that maybe it's been a couple of years, but he did, he narrated mm-hmm. it for me for the audiobook version.
3: Oh, that's great. Oh, I'd love to get a copy. I'll weave it into the, the course. This is one of the issues I'm struggling with right now with, uh, so, <laughs> you know, our Institute theology of the body Institute, we have five day, 30 lecture hour immersive courses and Colby again, Colby's been out for a couple, right? You've been out for a few.
1: I've done all eight. I've done the certification program.
3: That's right. That's right. The whole thing. So it's like, building a new course for this on c.s lewis and tolkien um i mean you could you could just do one on tolkien one on c.s lewis you could just do one on the space trilogy by c.s lewis you could do one five day on just lord of the rings so i'm gobbling up all manner of books right now and scott i'm gonna have to add yours to my eight foot pile of books there is so much literature that is coming out literally constantly um christiana hale just put out a book called deeper heaven she's a young woman who's Unpacking themes in the in ransom trilogy. Uh, there's brand new books on Tolkien constantly coming out. There's just there's so much gold here. And I, what I love about Lewis and Tolkien, and I know we're focusing on Tolkien here, but this is a kind of evangelization through beauty. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a chance to um this wide net of capturing people who are thirsty for transcendence, right? In this ridiculous culture where we've like stripped everything transcended away. And it's just, you know, swirling around molecules, coalescing and amalgamating. It's like, oh, that's it. It's, it Peter Craft calls it only We're suffering from onlyism, you know, reductionism. Yeah. Everybody's thirsty for these worlds, these wardrobes you walk through and you can't see the ceiling. You're like, whoa, there's more and it keeps going. It's fascinating. So I'm excited to step into that wardrobe and bring people in and step into Middle Earth and and just kind of play, I mean, that's, that's part of it is just uh, the great adventure again, of finding these places and realizing like, to Tolkien's point, we make in the way in which we were made and look at the universe that God made. It's full of drama and adventure and beauty and diversity. And it's never, it never gets old. Like we're still discovering species in the world and it's like 2022, like, aren't we done yet? Haven't we found everything? No, no, you haven't. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, but, what I love about Tolkien.
0: That brings up one of my what I always say about the church: further up and further in, you know, if yes. battle it gets. The further yes. up of the mountain, the bigger it gets. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Oh, so good. Can I share something nerdy? My um, I, my old Honda CRV fell apart a couple of months ago. I drove it to the grave. You know, I had like two hundred nice. some thousand miles. Congratulations! On it. So I got. A, <laughs> hey, it was great. Yeah, sweet memory. But um, I got a new, <laughs> well, new used car and i just nerd it out so i got a, a vanity plate in pennsylvania you don't have to have your front license plate; you just have whatever you want so i have the white tree of gondor nice. <laughs> on my front nice. plate and then the frame <laughs> around it says i'd rather be in rivendell <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> nice
3: i'm just like cruising around with my nerdy tolkien car nice
0: that's but a, it just that, gives me joy that's one of the other things you know with the trees the focus on the trees and then you have yeah. the righteous branch, right? You know, Jesus is the righteous branch that will shoot forth mm-hmm. the stump of Jesse. From the stump or, of Jesse. Or the stump mm-hmm. of Elassar, you know, Elendil, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they both come from some northern place. But uh, the beauty of John's gospel that he puts it together in that first chapter, what good can come from Nazareth, netzer, mm. Hebrew word for branch, uh, the righteous branch, nazareth is the place of the branch and jesus is the branch
3: that's awesome i never knew the etymology of nazareth before that's awesome
0: oh i said i didn't say that to explain to you i just assumed
3: <laughs> i'm a catholic nerd but i'm um, still i have much to learn i have further up and further in to go so
0: <laughs> that's why i love how tolkien loves the trees you know there's so much oh, to yeah. the trees, and same with the bible
3: yeah yeah he did love trees so much um I uh, I'm trying to k- get that in my kids. My kids are 14, 12, 10, and seven, and uh, just trying to get them to fall in love with creation the way I did and the way Tolkien did. Uh, trees are a big part of the life, you know. And we have a I have a tree down the end of our block. It's a Japanese maple, our neighbor's um, tree, and he'll catch me out there in the morning with a cup of coffee, like just standing in in its glory. And right now, it's insane. I mean, the leaves are falling off now, but it was like the burning bush. It was blazing. And just so gorgeous. You just, you know, and he gets it. He was like, grab yourself some seeds, which I did. <laughs> like Samwise, I'll bring them back to the Shire and plant it and make a new party tree. Oh, your new Malorn. But yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. yes, my new
3: Malorn, the greatest, you know, the greatest east of whatever. Oh, your, but um,
0: your new future portal to Narnia as well, right?
3: That's right. Isn't that wild, by the way, that sometimes you're like, who? who stole what from who because they have similar tolkien and lewis have these similar things and you know of course that they were reading their manuscripts works in progress at the the bird and the baby the pub they love to frequent so both starting in music both having these similar threads and you know biblically speaking aslan is the lion of the tribe of judah you know so there's a lot that they kind of shared but i don't mind i think it's pretty awesome
2: oh man I don't know what other questions to ask. I just I feel like I just sit here and just listen to
1: you
3: like all day, man. <laughs> this is so fun.
1: Yeah, well, I think it, we uh, we brought you in for a very specific topic, which has been phenomenal. Uh, but we also like to ask our guests what is something that you like to nerd out about. So maybe what's something other than Tolkien that you nerd out at this moment.
0: Hmm.
3: Well, I think um, it kind of flows from my love of of Tolkien and Lewis i love actually stand by i will show you oh, oh wow. can you see the glory
0: nice
2: behold Ege, for, the glory for our listeners yeah <laughs> so, bill just yeah a, right? a five set of uh beautiful looking uh smoking <laughs> pipes nice
3: and you know that's not all of them actually my favorite is my peterson which is a massive bowl that's in my uh my leather pipe pouch which is downstairs right now so i love i nerd out about pipes all manner of pipe tobacco and it's coupled with its close friend scotch or irish whiskey so when i um need to sort of find my fortress of solitude and uh you know sort of (laughs) unplug yeah i just mix mythologies but um to to sort of unplug and enter into that creative zone of just rest and contemplation uh i just the pipe lighting up a pipe the whole ritual of stuffing the bowl and the different you know cavendish or a different blend of tobacco coupled with a good scotch lagavulin is one of my favorite okay. um and then you know yeah you know and then different ones like that just
0: you mostly just, like the beautiful... Isle whiskies.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. The Isles are the best and um Yeah, it's just, it's a moment that becomes a call to contemplation for me. You know, you can't do it in less than 20 minutes, nor should you. So to just sort of unwind and do that, I love the feel of the leather pouch. I love the smell of the tobacco in hand as I crush it and stuff it. Um, The puff of smoke, the smoke ring. I'm not building three masted schooners like Gandalf with my smoke. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) That's way beyond my pay grade. So yeah, but that with the whiskey, it's just It's one of those nerdy things that I just love. And I've got some good uh, brothers who share that love. Uh, I have a text thread um, called Pipe Club. You know, what happens in Pipe Club stays in Pipe Club. And we'll (laughs) share different things. And I've got like, you know, Matt Frad was on there for a bit until we overwhelmed him. I have Exorcist (laughs) Priest friends, uh, Damon Owens, or some other great friends who are on there. And we'll just share the good stuff. And when we can get together, we'll do that. And we'll just nerd out. And uh, it's fun, you know, it's fun because it's also something that Lewis and Tolkien love to do. They love the pint, they love the pipe, and it it got the creative juices flowing. And I think we need a return to that. I think we're we're just living in a fast food culture that we just can't, we can't slow down and do that. Or we feel guilty for slowing down and doing that. It's like, don't feel guilty, man. This is what the, this is actually, you know, leisure is the basis of culture, to quote from Joseph Pieper. This is why we're doing all this stuff to get to this point of rest. You know, don't feel guilty about it. Enter into it, nerd out.
1: And to partake in those leisurely activities that you just said that they also enjoyed while they were working and while they were being creative, that's a way for you to also connect. That's right.
2: It makes you more productive. This concept of rest. I I think I'm I'm starting to explore that a little bit. Ever since your your interview with Matt, Mm. I know you guys talked about the concept of rest and stuff. And, I think around that same time when I I discovered it and watched the video, I was like really heavy into like uh, listening to uh, just like political stuff all the time on my drive to work. You know, just like what's going on in the world, like constantly refreshing Twitter, doing all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. after that interview, I was just like, okay, let's let's turn it off. Let's just listen to stories uh, I started listening to Matt and Emma's sibling horror podcast too, which is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, by the way, um, wow. and just engrossing myself in that time during my drive, I just feel better. You know, mm-hmm. so to ask you a question: How can one better find that rest? Is it is it just a matter of yeah. just sitting down with a book? For me, mm-hmm. for me personally, I I have a hard time reading. Unless I'm like really into the book. Like even even some of the, the Lord of the Rings books I have. I have my whole collection up there. I made sure to bring them downstairs. Oh, I love I it. Have, I have the. I love uh, it. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Slip cover edition of uh, almost all the books I got. Uh, I'm, I'm currently reading oh, uh, The Children of Hurin here. Oops. Put that mm-hmm. down. Boom there. Awesome. Yeah. Illustrated by Alan Lee, right? I think, yeah, I think yeah. Alan Lee did that. Yeah, the Alan Lee uh, pictures in there are gorgeous. Absolutely. Um the new mm-hmm. uh The Fall of Numenor came out uh, last week. So I'm I'm trying to That's get that. Right. Uh but anyway, so I have a hard time just like kind of sitting down and reading. Like I can't yeah. uh, I can't mm-hmm. sit down and read more than like a chapter at a time. And I, I almost feel bad that I can't just sit and relax with that but Mm. i i can you know i have i have to take an hour drive so you know i'm almost like kind of have to relax at that point so how how can one (laughs) pursue you know that that peacefulness that how to pursue relaxing i guess yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm with you eric because i i've done you know
3: the deep dive into the politics and uh like i never did before in the last few years just because things are getting so chaotic it's important i think you know, as husbands and fathers, as men, it's important for us to have a sense of things. Absolutely. You know, we're in the world, but not of the world. So tapping is important. I just, and I'm, I struggle with it too. I can go down that, you know, why did I pick up my iPhone? I was gonna do what, you know, and I'm <laughs> like 25 minutes later. Um, I think we just, and I have to be intentional and say, this is the time for that. Now that's done. Mm-hmm. And my first thing is either like, get up and do the rosary because that, is just my hand on the beads and I'm not looking at a gospel reading or doing a thing. I just like quietly pray, receive the love of the father, (sighs) you know, good coffee, dark roast coffee, and then maybe like the rosary. And then just being intentional about like in my day, I'm going to try to carve out a time. And here's the thing too, Eric, like and everybody, like, even if it, if it is a chapter, that's awesome. Read the chapter. Well, you know, that I, every day I have a little pocket where, you know, this is when daddy's going to just need a minute. This is essential because otherwise we're just like hamsters on the wheel. We're going to burn out. And so even our our families or friends, they need to realize like I need to get charged up by, Mm. you know, being with the Lord of wonders and the God of love. And I'm just going to drink in beauty. I'm going to read good books. You know, maybe it's poetry. Maybe it's a great novel. Maybe I'm just going to chill and like listen to some music right now. Like an actual symphony. I I just did this recently with Beethoven's sixth, the Pastoral Symphony, I think it is. And I just nerded out. I just let myself, because that's not a three minute song, you know, like intentionally do something like that. You know, hey, I'm going to listen to Mozart's Requiem right now. Let's do it, you know, and you just do it. And you feel, you go through a detox and, you know, you get the jitters for a while because you're like, ah, grab my phone. It's like, no, don't do that. Just let this roll over you, which rolled over generations and generations before you. And this is how all this creativity burst forth and blossomed. So, being intentional and getting excited about it. Like, what are, you know, if it's like the sibling horror, the stuff with uh, Emma and Matt, you know, what they're doing, or, or Tolkien stuff, or Lewis's works, or whoever, Chesterton, just like have it there and you know it's there. And then you get excited to go there, you know, later on for 15 or 20 minutes or whatever you can do. Because what happens if we're intentional about it and we make sure that we do it, it becomes that attractive thing that we look forward to that gives us life. And we know we're going to be intentional about it. Otherwise, you know, if you keep saying, well, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. No, kill time. You have to kill time, make time to do it. And the other things build around that. Don't keep shoving it off because there's other important things to do. They're not really that, <laughs> they're not as important as your own piece of soul. Mm. You know, your own piece of soul before the father, like receiving your identity, which flows through beauty, which flows through creative imagination and wonder. I think that's why Joseph Pieper's book, Leisure, the Basis of Culture, is so important to reclaim. Like how he talks about the different ways of knowing. And we're stuck in the like analytical, masculine, doing, doing ratio. Right. And he's like, the ancients knew intellectus is much richer. Contemplative, like contemplative receiving is always more fruitful always more productive in the long run but it's like we don't believe it anyway i'm going on sorry eric you just fell a little (laughs) bit there no i was uh (laughs) trying to look up
2: uh, what was the name of the joseph Pieper book leisure the basis of culture
3: okay yeah it gets really cooking like uh a few pages in so stick with him he really opens it up and, you know, it's, it's really, really good. I think it's medicine for our souls today because we're just nuts. We're just off,
1: off the chain. And nuts. Kind of point of the idiom of it's not just recreation. We are attempting and making effort to recreate ourselves in a way. Exactly. Yes. Like, we can go back and be, you know, that who, which we're called to be, to serve our, our spouses and our children, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it's that's necessary.
3: right. And this, this isn't, it's not escapism. It's not laziness. You know, like, why are you reading that book again? You know, Lord of the Rings, for instance. Tolkien himself would say it's not escapism any more than a man wants to escape from prison, right? Right. We're trying to escape from this prison of reductionism and frenetic activity. So we have to do this. It's essential.
0: Well, I personally want, but I think our listeners may also enjoy, uh, if you could give us, uh, off the top of your head, your top three pipe weeds uh your favorite tobaccos
3: <laughs> okay cool 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 i have um fra angelico is uh probably my favorite right out of the gate fra angelico is a great blend um there's a place called tinderbox it's it's around different spots you might be able to find a tinderbox but they make a great blend called fra angelico i do love it's a easy to grab anywhere captain black cherry blend And for me, it's more nostalgia because when I was growing up and my dad would take my brother and I up to Northern Maine, we go up there, 13 hour drive in the old pickup truck, he would be smoking Captain Black Cherry Blend. Uh, So it's cheap, affordable, and it's a great smell. Oh man, it's really good. And uh, I love, I don't have it with me right now. It's like one of those uh, cakes that's rolled and you slice the tobacco, it comes in almost like a plug and you slice it. I'm blanking on the name. Yeah, I liked, like Royal the Royal something. Yeah, because you can get uh, – so it's, it's a roll cake or something. It's called Royal something. I'm blanking right now, but it's a blue tin. I love it because you can pick it up and you can kind of, like, shave it or you can um, you take the, the rolls and you crush it. Yeah. So anything, again, that you get, like, involved in, yeah. you know, it's just really cool. And, of course, two others bonus. Yeah. Uh, three Nuns. Three Nuns was actually C.S. Lewis's preferred, I believe, and Capstan. C A P S T A N. Capstan was Tolkien's one of his favorite tobaccos. So I, I like those two. Like those.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So glad uh, I
3: had. are great
1: too. The list goes on and on. <laughs> when you say <laughs> Frangelico, I think of the uh, hazelnut liquor. Have you had that? Yes, before?
0: that's
3: also good. Well, smoke the Frangelico tobacco with a little shot glass of Frangelico to liqueur. Mm-hmm. Then you're like literally in the next world. You're in Valinor. That's, that's the invitation to the
1: Miscal. There we go. <laughs> I do know, I'm not sure if y'all are done conversing, but I do need to hop because uh, I have a stop that oh. I need to run to. But, Bill, it was phenomenal. Great seeing you again. See you again. I'm sure we're going to have to invite you back on one because, I mean, I hope I would uh, love you enjoyed working with us. So.
3: Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow? Same time? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Great to see you again, Colby. God bless. All right. Thank All you, Colby. Right.
2: Uh, right. Um, probably the hardest question you'll probably get. And we'll we'll narrow it down to three just like Scott um, favorite <laughs> yeah. events in Tolkien mythology.
3: Oh man. <laughs> okay. I need a <laughs> minute. Okay. Three favorite scenes. Yeah. I think I'll just, I'll just kind of let them percolate and come up um, unbidden to my heart and mind. <clears throat> um, Council of Elrond. Council of Elrond is this really That's the moment where you realize, holy crap, this is a big thing. This is really big. And I enter into reading that like one of the hobbits. And I I start looking around the circle. And I'm like, wow, this is a big story here that we're a part of. And it goes way back. Like that whole extended Gandalf and Elrond sharing of all the stuff. You're like, wow, this is really a big story. That's a favorite moment.
0: It's like Aquinas Um, poems, you know, as you enter into the... Christmas, vigil, mm. Easter, Vigil, Mass. You know, you get the whole typology leading up to.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. It has that flair. And, and <laughs> something true. the movie doesn't fully grasp, too. Because no. if you, yeah. the movie was like the first one, so you don't know the history of anybody there other than the, the few characters who show up mm. in the rest of the movie. Because uh, you, right. you got, you um, got Gimli's father, Gloin and um that's right talking about what happened to um oh what's
0: Balan, his name right was Balan, it Balan? yeah what During, like Balin? yeah
2: it went to retake moria and Never stuff and, his family? yeah yeah Glorfindel's mm-hmm. there and um that's right yeah just so much history just in that in that room
3: yeah no seriously yeah that that moment is like this very rich tapestry it's just like it's multi-layered it's got so much going on there of course of course, the scene at, at Gaza Doom on the bridge is just, yeah. I mean, come on. That's, that's when you realize, dang, this, this is a battle between good and evil. And then you realize, like, Gandalf is the man. Yeah. You start realizing, like, when he, when, you know, when he says, like, I'm a servant of the secret fire, you know, wielder the flame of Arnor, he's throwing these names down. You're like, what is he saying? Who is this guy? And you realize this rich, deep history of his own. That Like he was there in the beginning in the battle, you know, with Morgoth as a Maiar. And you realize it's just one of those moments where, again, you feel like a little kid, like a hobbit, looking up at this figure who is biblical. You're like, whoa. So that's that's a favorite moment. Uh, And here's another one that just came on. The moment Frodo enters uh, Lothlorien, and I believe they're blindfolded, and he puts his hand on a Malorn tree, I believe. He feels the bark of it. Mm-hmm. and he feels Lorien underfoot, and it's sort of this real sacramental moment where he's all his other senses are awakened, right? And he just gets this vibe of, well, this is holy ground. This is a very special place right here. Like he's got this keen awareness. Uh, I love that moment, this kind of awakening of, of Frodo as he steps into that land. Untouched, right? Lorien is unstained. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think Tolkien writes that as being unstained.
0: Little pockets of Eden still left in the world.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, and that there's a million more, but... Of course.
0: <laughs> well, sorry to interrupt because it's beautiful what you're uh, given. The The way that you see Gandalf as a Christ figure after the fall at Casa Doom...
2: I was just about to go into this, too. Oh, <laughs> oh, hey, you read wrong. my mind. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's like how he, he spins like mm-hmm. his... You Know he would they fall for three days, something like that, just like Christ did, <laughs> just falling
3: for three yeah. days. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. you know, it's vowels. like what,
0: uh, Dante talks about hell being like the depth of an anvil falling for so many days, and but then they climb the endless stairs, so you have this, this you know, descent into shale mm-hmm. into the pit, and then the mm-hmm. ascent, and um, yeah, it's uh, so, beautiful. Mm.
3: And a true death. I mean, here's the other thing, right? A true death. Gandalf died. Mm. He did die. Like, Jesus really died. Not like faked it, like, hey, I'm back. Ha ha, a little wink. Yeah. No, he died. And, he, he, and he was yeah. <laughs> just JK. <laughs> um, <laughs> he really died. It was really a Paschal mystery. It was a total kenosis, a total self-giving pouring out of, of self. And then the, the promise returned. Yeah, I mean, if you're not... if it, The thing's dripping with the gospel, right? It's just dripping with the gospel. Yeah, And I that's think, what gives it its, its superpower.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think that going back to Rings of Power for a second and keeping on that, Gandalf is a Christ figure. One of the things I I did like about Rings of Power is absolutely for sure the character in there that's Meteor Man, that's, that's Gandalf, hands down. I Absolutely, 100%. I'm pretty sure it's Gandalf. I'd be very okay. surprised if they switch it up in season two and say, Oh, it was a blue wizard the whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah. but I guess it, it could still, still the theme could run with it. But the fact that Ganda, uh, he like showed up and the, uh, I don't know what they, what they're Harfoots? Call- I, not the Harfoots, the, Harfoots? But the, the three, the three ladies. Oh, the mystics uh, they're calling the them. Mystics, Yeah. yeah. And they're, and they're talking to him. Morgoth. And, yeah. And they're talking to him about, you know, being the starry and how he, how his showing up, he had some kind of like block on his memory of who he was. And I just yeah. kind, of, kind of seeing that parallel of Jesus's uh, incarnation and
0: mm-hmm. that Growing in the stature of and before man. And yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and mm-hmm. just learning or just, you know, being human and, and discovering mm-hmm. who he is through that um i thought i thought that was interesting and i i uh, wish whether or not that was intentional i don't know but i, I
0: right, wish right. could apprehend and could see the incarnation for what it really was and l- like a meteor crashing into the earth you know and like oh yeah yeah great cosmic event
3: oh yeah yeah that's uh i love what you're putting out there like the idea of um as we're using mythology and sign and Simon's symbol to enter into the mystery of the real gospel, you know, the real fairy tale come true, as Tolkien would say it, right? Mm. And Chesterton. But um, like that Jesus, because this is, we, he can never exhaust the mystery of the incarnation. Like, well, okay, he was omnipotent, right? He was divine, so he knew everything. Yeah, but he still clothed himself in time and space. He, he, and humbled himself to learn how to eat and walk and talk. You know, he, he didn't allow his divinity to overwhelm his humanity. They were dancing together, and it's like, man, the humility of God to do that, that is insane. You know, to be nursing at Mary's breast for months, to be helpless and dependent on Joseph to carry him around, you just, like, burst into tears. You start thinking about that long enough that he would do that. It's incredible. Hmm. And here comes Advent in a couple of weeks, right, another week yeah. or so. Yeah.
2: yeah. Or at least by the get to start think- by us recording this anyway. It might be out during Advent, right? But, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, happy Advent, everyone, if you're yeah. tuning in, <laughs> or Merry Christmas, depending on how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it just and, and thank you t- too for like, because I, I have a hard time sometimes like rationalizing all these thoughts and stuff. And I, I'm glad you're picking up, uh, or at least where my train of thoughts kind of going. Um, sure yeah i just get tripped up sometimes on on like what i know what i no, want to totally say tracking. but yeah so <laughs>
3: <laughs> no totally tracking and it's so easy to find it in this in this whole world like, that's mm-hmm. what i love about these storytellers and the myths because you're like i feel like it's tracing this thought that i've always had or this thing that we believe in can i just, just like pull this a little bit you know like poke around a little bit yeah. <laughs> and then it comes out yeah there's, yeah. there's a lot of
0: yeah, yeah, awesome. Tolkien well, it's, has it's, a wonderful ability to to speak exactly these thoughts you've never been able to materialize and encapsulate before. Yeah, boom.
3: We know that Tolkien did this so meticulously, and you know, we could say like this, his perfectionism was uh, a tremendous cross, <laughs> but um, for him, maybe. But because uh, it took you know yeah. what, thank thirteen God. years to write Lord of the Rings, but then yeah, when we step back, right, we say, thank God that he was humble enough and faithful enough to just keep going with the encouragement of C.S. Lewis and some friends and family, keep going. This is bigger than you (laughs) be faithful (laughs) to it. You know, it's the whole uh, leaf by niggle story that he wrote that was autobiographical about him, Mm. his perfectionism, but we, uh, we are reaping such rich benefits. And um, I think he, he, he wanted us to just enjoy what he was enjoying. You know, he worked really hard at this mythology, but he enjoyed it. He loved to go back in there, and uh, I think his children loved it. Christopher, his son, loved it. So now we are all his kind of sons. We get to love it and play in it, too. So mm. this
2: has been fun. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much, Bill. I think that that's like a perfect way to end this. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for nerding out with us. Sure. Um, I, I think eventually <laughs> we want to do... I, what was that? Like two or three years ago, Scott, we did... We did an all-day marathon, all oh, yeah. the uh, Lord of the Rings extended edition uh, Peter Jackson films back-to-back Uh-oh. from, like, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So if we ever do that again, we're definitely going to send you an invite. You i can maybe... hop
0: in for the Council of Elrond and the... Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll get the we babysitter.
2: Can t- we'll get the babysitter. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or bring him in. That's true, too. I've been trying to get them to do... I know it's not as popular... Um, but the extended version of the Hobbit trilogy. <laughs> I, know, not as, I know it's not That's as popular.
0: Gonna... <laughs> uh,
2: I, I do have to say, after after seeing Rings of Power, I have a bigger appreciation for the Hobbit movies. Yeah, uh, good point. As, as bad as they are. The extended editions, actually, I think the extended editions redeem it a little bit. They go from like a six to maybe a seven for me. I've
3: um, never watched the extended editions. I just yeah, kind of... The, uh...
2: Especially the Battle of Five oh. Armies
3: mm-hmm. is
2: way better yeah. in the extended edition. So, um, wow. Yeah. If, if you get a chance to watch them, well, it, it's it's definitely yeah. worth it. It, it is what it is.
3: I'm game. And real quick, I'll throw that. I know we're trying to end it, but I'll, I'll yep. throw this out there. I stumbled a couple weeks ago on a guy who um, I can't even remember his name or what, but he was wounded by the Hobbit trilogy for <laughs> the same reasons I think us, we are, you know, the whole video game aspect yep. <laughs> over, yeah. to- over the top. And he, meticulously for like over a year he boiled it down to a four-hour single film oh nice and cut out oh, like all cool. the nonsense and goofy like you know elf oh, I think uh, dwarf love story and i think i might have seen yeah, that I on youtube his... actually yeah so in, i, in I downloaded it you can download it He put it on you put it on like a google drive so i've downloaded it and i'm still yeah. going to try to find time to watch it but that's out there like a redeemed hobbit
2: like a four-hour Single shot.
3: Nice. Hey, there's yeah. always the Rankin
0: Bass, right?
2: Yeah, the Rankin and Bass. Oh, it's was Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Best, yeah, for, voices, for... best voices ever. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so good. I think it was like an hour and a half, maybe the the Rankin and Bass one. Rankin and yeah. Bass. But yeah, yeah for I for the- how for how truncated it is, yeah, yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. But
3: yeah, like, me too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I grew up on it. Uh, it struck me. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Some solid eighties goodness there. Well, y'all want me <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. to oh, close this thing. out? Yeah. I wanted to, uh, unless Bill, you have maybe a final thought or anything you want to leave us with?
3: No, no, just a, a great pleasure to talk with you. And I do absolutely look forward to chatting again about anything, oh, uh, nice. all manner of Catholic nerdy stuff. And, absolutely. and, um, yeah, yeah. I would love to, uh, you know, pitch that course. Cause, uh, the Tolkien CS Lewis course is next November. So it's almost a year away. And, uh, I just feel like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I feel like uh, we would just uh, enjoy it. And, you know, when the course lectures are done, we get a break, we go outside and we smoke our pipes, slads, you know, nice, and then we nice. go back in. So, <laughs> so <laughs> But thank you people, for letting me uh, come on.
0: So how um, can people become more familiar with your work?
3: Uh, oh, Sure. <clears throat> Yeah, thanks. So so uh, I abandoned social media about three years ago, thanks <laughs> be to God. So I'm <laughs> not really know. on there anymore. Um, I do a, a video podcast called The Way of Wonder. And that's at the TOB Institute YouTube page. And then TOB is where you can find our courses. That's going to be where the um, registration page will open soon for the new Tolkien Lewis course next November. So okay. TOB And then on YouTube, TOB uh institute YouTube page and then The Way of Wonder is a series we're doing based on beauty and art and uh yeah me and Father Patrick Schultz from um the Slaking Thirst podcast. He's a priest in Cleveland.
2: Awesome. So yeah nice. yeah so we'll we'll make links to all that in the show notes of course. And uh thank you. Yeah awesome. So thank you Bill. Thank you for joining us. Uh Scott, why don't you take us on out?
0: Sure. Thank you for joining us the Catholic nerds This has been Scott Smith, Colby Allen,
2: Eric Dumont, and our special guest,
0: Bill Donahue. Please do subscribe (laughs) to this podcast and share with all your friends, Catholic or not, Orc, Numenorian, and remember, boys and girls, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. Good night. (laughs) Or whatever time of day.
2: Yeah, whatever. That was great. (laughs)
3: Boom 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 pom 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 pom